Part Two, Chapter Five, of the Uttermost Star. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by April Six Zero Nine Zero. The Uttermost Star and Other Gleams of Fancy by Frank W. Borum. The Village Green. A wise old place is the village green. Since last I felt upon my spirit the fragrant breath of its peaceful benediction, I have crossed many seas and trodden many shores, but nowhere have I seen anything to equal it. Like all the best things in life, the green is very modest. It does not advertise its virtues. As you drive round the bend of the dusty road, and before plunging into the village itself, glance casually across the green you feel that it is the very essence of idyllic stagnation and dreamy repose the signs of life are few and far between two old men sit smoking their long clay pipes in the deep shade of the clump of elm trees in front of the inn some ducks are scouring the pond yonder in quest of the frogs whose hoarse voices were so conspicuous last night half a dozen cows lie sleepily chewing the cud round on the far fringe of the green where the grass is long and sweet because scarcely ever trodden some fowls from the row of cottages at the corner of the lane are foraging after grasshoppers in the shorter grass down by the poplars swallows are skimming gracefully hither and thither paying frequent visits to the pond and occasionally settling for just a moment on rails and posts and empty seats a few creamy butterflies are dancing gaily over the grass on their way to the flaunting sunflowers that call loudly from the garden of the inn but save for these there are no indications that anything is doing on the green to all intents and purposes the green is fast asleep and everything about it is also slumbering in the luxurious sunshine of this summer afternoon look across the pond and you will see the old church sleeping among its gnarled and shady yews the inn down by the elms is asleep the horses round about the door and the dogs sprawling at their feet are all asleep the cottages down at the corner of the lane are dozing too lulled to rest by the droning of the bees around their scent-laden gardens everything appears to slumber the very grasses nod half sleepily and the whole place is wrapped in profound repose you jumped to the conclusion that nothing ever happens on the village green but that is part of life's vast illusion the people who do the world's work are all of them leisurely souls they never hustle or bustle they never get flurried or flushed i once attended a farewell meeting tendered to a minister who after a remarkably fruitful and prosperous pastorate extending over more than twenty years was laying down his charge the great hall was crowded there was a sense of genuine sadness and poignant emotion in the temper of the meeting the speakers vied with each other in sounding the good man's praises i have forgotten all that they said but i distinctly remember the utterance of a man who towards the close of the meeting craved the chairman's permission to add a single sentence i have met mr falkland nearly every day of my life for twenty years he said 
and I have never yet seen him in a hurry. Mr. Falkland told me afterwards that he treasured that tribute as the highest of the compliments paid him at the meeting. He had entered into the secret of the village green. There are souls that are so calm just because they are so strong. Mr. Harold Begbie has told us the story of Dolly, the actress, who, amidst all the whirl and the excitement of her public life, was overtaken by an affliction that rendered her stone deaf. Then, at last, freed from the rush and flurry of things, she had time to think. She thought especially of her children. Would she like them to model their lives on the style of her own? Then she thought of her widowed mother-in-law, so quiet, so tranquil, so patient, yet so strong. As she contemplated the life and character of this beautiful old lady, Dolly felt for the first time the wisdom of goodness. She had lived a good life. Her heart was pure. Her hands were clean. Her eyes were full of sweetness. But she was dying. Dolly determined to hasten to her bedside and crave of her, so that she might hand it on to her children, the inner secret of her radiant and lovely life. The widow put out her hand towards her Bible but checked herself and took a pencil and tablet which rested on a table at her side and wrote the words in returning and rest shall ye be saved in quietness and confidence shall be your strength she did not point out the words in isaiah because with her fine spirit her thoughtfulness for others which lasted to the very end of her life she knew that poor dolly would be hurt by the concluding words and ye would not her finger pointed to the word rest for a long time. Then it moved to quietness and confidence, and finally to strength where it tarried. Then she gave the paper to Dolly and smiled into her eyes. The strength of stillness, the conquest of the quiet. That is the secret of the village green. You would think, I say, to look at the village green, that nothing ever happens there. The fact is, of course, that everything happens there. The village green is a parliament and a playground, and a pasture and a pulpit, and everything else. Why, on the old seats there under the elm trees, the seats that are smothered with rudely carved initials, the village cronies have sat smoking in the dusk, generation after generation, discussing the merits of rival statesmen and the splendid problems of empire. Out there, too, on the center of the green, cricket matches have been played that have, for long weeks beforehand, been the subject of animated speculation among all the hamlets and villages for miles around. And that have, in the result, made history. For you would not dare to confess to the enthusiasts who sometimes gather beneath the elms or sprawl upon the soft and fragrant grass that you have never witnessed the prowess of certain well-known players who, once the pride of this very green, were elevated to the fierce prominence of county contests, and are now named with respect in every pavilion and club-room throughout the world. On any Saturday afternoon or in the long delicious evenings of midsummer, you may stand here on the edge of the green, and, whilst the swallows skim cunningly about you, may hear these ploughmen and wagoneers, bent with the heavy toils of tilt and pasture tell for the thousandth time of the wild excitements that convulsed the green in their days when a batsman of undying fame who afterwards achieved international distinction 
was the terror of every visiting team nor must i forget the avenue running right athwart the green leaving the cricket ground the clump of elms and the inn on the one side and the pond the poplars and the drowsy old church on the other is a glorious grove of stately oaks here again every fifty yards or so you will find seats beneath the trees but you will notice that in contrast with those under the elms these seats are almost innocent of the carved initials it is true that these are not quite as ancient as those but that in itself does not explain the difference when these seats have held their places as long as those beneath the elms have now done the number of initials cut in the wood will still be very small the reason is not very obscure the elm trees with the seats beneath them form a natural pavilion for the cricket matches and the sports upon the green there schoolboys congregate having in their cavernous and comprehensive pockets knives of such superior caliber and keenness that twere a pity not sometimes to display their powers and generations of batsmen waiting during the innings of their side for their own turn to bat or to field have relieved the hours of tedium by plying their nervous fingers there but the avenue is never the resort of the crowd the avenue you would soon learn if you stayed many days in the village is consecrated by long tradition to the sacred rites and ancient mysteries of love-making you cannot stroll upon this umbrageous roadway after dusk without meeting at least one couple who will make you feel that they can content themselves without your company and you will discover perhaps with some slight flush of embarrassment that all the seats are not unoccupied it is just as well that these wooden things are mute if they became magically invested with the power of speech every housewife in the village would clamor for their destruction for have they not heard the whispered secrets of every home the lovers of six generations have trysted and courted and quarrelled and kissed again within the shady shelter of these protecting trees and they may have had reasons of their own for not carving their names upon the seats perhaps the light was not too good perhaps they had other fish to fry perhaps they had no desire to leave a perpetual record of their presence there at any rate the seats beneath the oaks escape such mutilation as any one can see who cares to look grave and gray is the village green if you want to see its gaiety come some winter's day when the pond is frozen and half the countryside is on skates or better still come some winter's night i remember walking down to the green one delectable moonlight evening when everything was sparkling with the glittering whiteness of the heavy hoar frost the arched network of branches overhead looked as though it had been worked in silver and sprinkled with stardust it was bespangled with millions of infinitesimal diamonds showers of these tiny gems seemed to have fallen off bejeweling the road beneath it glistened in front of you and clinked like iron beneath your tread how one's cheeks glowed and one's ears tingled on a radiant night like that and long before i reached the green i could hear the shouts and laughter of the skaters on the pond or if you are not prepared to wait for such another winter's day come along some fine morning when the hounds meet at the inn the bravery of the huntsmen resplendent in their scarlet coats the pride of the glossy horses all restless with life and eager to be off 
the joviality and excitement of their masters and mistresses some in the saddle and some standing in little groups holding their horses heads the yelping of the dogs the sounding of the horn the chatter of the cottagers who have come to see the start here is gaiety and such as none of your crowded cities could give you on an autumn morning or if you would see the green taking its night-time merriment come on the evening of a fair day or a fete day when the trees all a-twinkle with fairy lamps the village band plays near the elm trees and there is dancing on the green the trampling on the grass of so many feet loads the evening air with the strong pungent odor of the turf the mind is intoxicated with the prevailing sense of revelry and the muscles dance involuntarily to the lively and captivating strains oh yes the green knows how to be gay but the green knows how to be grave have i not seen the village green turned into a church and that not once but many a time as a boy i heard mr moody preaching on the village green he was the first preacher of world-wide fame to whom i had ever listened i have heard many of our pulpit princes since and often in the years that followed that service on the green i again heard mr moody but when i think of him it is the thought of that sunday afternoon that rushes back upon my mind the temporary platform on which he stood the great black crowd the languor of the sultry summer's day the smell of the grass the american toying in the preacher's voice the text the line of reasoning the telling illustrations and above all the passionate appeal these all come back upon me as i write to me at any rate they are all inseparably associated with the picture of the village green i said that i have seen this happen many and many a time i not only in actual experience but upon the pages of our best literature how often i wonder did john wesley preach on the village green john wesley brought about the greatest revival of religion in our history and according to lecky saved england from all the horrors of a terrible revolution and this masterpiece of daring evangelism and sanctified statesmanship was accomplished very largely on the village green for the matter of that every village green is crowded with preachers for what is the green but so many millions of blades of grass when god visited the earth amidst the dews of creation's earliest morning the first thing that awoke to greet him was a blade of grass until then the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep then god came and the grass came and the grass let out the new age it was the first thing on the planet and it will be the last as soon as the first blade of grass peeped out upon a world uncultivated and unoccupied it vowed it would conquer and possess every mountain and valley every continent and island every inch of soil the wide world over and it did it sprang up everywhere it spread a carpet for the feet of the living and a covering for the graves of the dead we brush it back sometimes in order to build a house or a city or an empire just as children sometimes keep back the tide for a while by building a brave castle with walls and outworks but it is only for a while the castle topples to pieces and the water flows in the empire crumbles at last and the grasses wave proudly over the sites of fallen cities we have covered many square miles of earth with buildings says mr shamhell in his cheapside to arcady 
and the birds looked down on a province of gray instead of the beloved and familiar green six miles or more outward from the centre of london lies the boundary line of the world of trees and grass but we are surrounded and hemmed in by the sweet enemy and nothing but the strenuous trampling of our millions of feet prevents the speedy reconquest of our city by the kingdom of vegetation some day the feet will be fewer and less strenuous houses will fall and not be rebuilt the tide of green will flow in and that which london shall be once more field and forest casual passers-by regard the grass as an ephemeral thing here to-day and gone to-morrow but the wise know better the old yew trees there behind the church are a thousand years old but the grass was there before the yew trees sprouted and the grass will still be there when the yew trees are no more if you bend your ear you will hear a whispering among the grasses the grasses on the green are always whispering and there is a ripple of quiet laughter running through all that they say it is the laughter of conquest creatures of immortality are the deathless grasses on the green did not peter once draw a striking and dramatic analogy between the three more persistent things on the planet the grass the man and the word of the lord for all flesh he says is as grass and all the glory of man as the flower of grass the grass with erin and the flower thereof falleth away but the word of the lord endureth for ever the grass the man the word these are the three most universal immortal invincible things on the face of the earth the grass withers and the petals of its flower blow away on the wind yet it rises again and conquers everything man drops into the grave and his glory is forgotten yet like the grass he is everywhere master of everything the most godlike thing under the stars but the word outshines them both for it never even fades or falls never even dries or dies it liveth and abideth for ever year in and year out it is as fresh and as sweet every morning as the dewy grass on the green and age in and age out its glory grows from more to more crowded with preachers is the village green perhaps that is why george eliot chose the village green as the scene of dinah morris's sermon she stood with her left hand towards the descending sun and leafy boughs screened her from its rays but in this sober light the delicate colouring of her face seemed to gather a calm vividness like flowers at evening it was one of those faces that make one think of white flowers with light touches of colour on their pure petals the eyes had no peculiar beauty beyond that of expression yet they looked so simple so candid so gravely loving that no accusing scowl no light sneer could help melting away before their glance dinah spoke of john wesley whom she had heard preaching on a village green and whom she as a child had imagined to be a special messenger sent down from heaven as she gazed upon his finely chiselled face and pure white hair and as she listened to his deep rich voice and earnest speech she had wondered if he would suddenly vanish and be caught up into heaven again and then dinah spoke as wesley himself had spoken of jesus the son of man is come to seek and to save that which is lost this was her text 
with womanly winsomeness and womanly entreaty she drew the hearts of the villagers towards her saviour beneath the vast dome of st paul's or under the spreading branches of the elm trees it is a great and wonderful evangel and we may very well leave the village green now that we have again caught the sweetness of that heavenly music End of part two, chapter five.